Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm Dave Sulecki. I'm Dale Spangler, and this week's guest is Tony Wink, owner of Riverside Raceway in Winterset, Iowa. Moto America is the official sponsor of Pit Pass Moto. Coming off another record attendance event at Road America, the 2022 Moto America season now heads to the West Coast. First up is the Ridge Motorsports Park near Seattle, June 24th through the 26th, where six classes of racing will take to the track, including 190 mile per hour superbikes. After the Ridge, Moto America heads south to world famous Laguna Seca Raceway, July 8th through the 10th. Laguna Seca is the pinnacle of the Moto America season, and this year will be no exception. Record crowds, vendors, and race entries add up to an amazing event. Tickets, info, and a complete schedule can be found at MotoAmerica.com. And be sure to follow Moto America on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. This week's race recap is AMA Pro Motocross Round 4 coming from High Point Raceway in Mount Morris, Pennsylvania. And just about perfect conditions and perfect weather greeted the racers. And boy, it was cool to see ET3, Eli Tomac, going into beast mode. And he's keeping these Honda guys honest. Goes 2-1 on the day and takes the overall over a very, very fast Chase Sexton we had to wonder if the Honda guys were ever going to get beat, but uh, look out when ET3 gets on it, man. Better look out. Brock Glover, who was uh, the guest announcer this weekend, put it best when he said that the the level of athleticism and the technique of these riders today is just unbelievable right now. We're seeing like next level in motocross at the moment, and these guys are definitely world-class athletes. But how about uh, Ryan Dungey hasn't raced at the High Point Racetrack in seven years, and comes back, and he was a podium threat all day long. The second moto especially, he was up there battling with the top guys. Even past Ken Roxon, was going to make a run at Chase Sexton. But then a last lap pass by Roxon pushed Dungey off the podium. But wow, it was really impressive to see him up front running with their pace. And uh, it seemed like they made some headway on the bike as well. And I guess one low light on the day, uh, Tony Cairoli, TC222 as we like to call him, nine-time world champion, getting into a tussle with Kristen Craig at the famous wall turn at uh, High Point. He ended up on the ground. I think he bent his bike up and retired for the day. And unfortunately, I think that's it for Tony in the season. He is going back to Italy and racing no more nationals. In the 250 class, once again, it was a Lawrence Brothers sweep, the two exchanging moto wins, and the second moto especially, I think it was the battle we've all been waiting for, the two brothers going head-to-head back and forth for pretty much the entire moto. They were just right on each other. And uh, with Jet getting the upper hand, little brother getting the upper hand on big brother, gets the second moto win, 2-1 moto score, gives him the overall for an awesome race for the, the weekend. 
No doubt. Which Lawrence brother is going to win is really what it's coming down to. But Michael Moseman kept him honest. He was fast as hell till he faded back. And uh, Justin Cooper, the Yamaha rider, struggling a little bit, goes eight and three on the day. He was really picked to be the front runner this season. But I think he's struggling with his conditioning. And I think the track took it out on him. But keep an eye on these Yamaha guys as the season develops. One last observation I had overall, though, is Honda seems to be onto something right now with their motorcycles. They've got the chassis and suspension seem like dialed, albeit though their riders are certainly smooth on the motorcycle, but they just look absolutely amazing, these two. And speaking of Honda, Hunter Lawrence signed a two-year extension on his contract this weekend, which, uh, so it looks like he's going to be with them for a couple more years. Our industry spotlight this week focuses on the announcement that the United States Motorcycle Coaching Association and Yamaha Motor Corporation USA are proud to be raising money for the Waverly, Tennessee schools devastated by the August 2021 deadly flooding. Waverly and nearby Loretta Lynn's Ranch are recognized as the heart of American motocross. By launching the Laps for Learning initiative in cooperation with Racers for Waverly and the Road to Recovery Foundation, USMCA and Yamaha are encouraging riders ages four and up to create a personal donation page to help raise funds for the Waverly School District. The top 10 fundraisers will receive a complimentary six-day trip to Loretta Lynn's Ranch in October for a riding clinic and fall trail ride experience. For more information about becoming a part of Laps for Learning, visit mxsports.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He's the owner of Riverside Raceway in Winterset, Iowa, and a former co-host of this show, Tony Wink. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto. How are you today? Hi, guys. Co-founder, mind you, but that's been 100 years ago. So, yeah, we're doing good. We're slinging fireworks, and the racetrack takes a break about June 1st, and then we go into firecracker mode, and we do that till about mid-July, and then I get back to dirt biking. Well, it seems like every year... Your racetrack, just you grow a little bit more, you expand and improve your annual events like the Justin Brayton Pro Challenge. What are some of your long-term goals with the track? And uh, yeah, tell, just tell us a little bit about what's been going on there, how the uh, the Pro Challenge went for you this year. Well, this year, I don't know if you guys knew, but it's it was a, a pretty rocky start. About the time the, the snow starts to really melt and we can start going to work, we had a tornado rip through our valley there. And uh, lost a bunch of our neighbors, and um, it looks like Ukraine. I mean, it's it's super nasty. It just ripped trees apart, and my family was in the basement, and I was on my way home from a track in Missouri because it was a, it was still a little wet up here. And so I went down to Missouri to this this place called Challenge Tracks that I really like, and I had a couple new dirt bikes, new Hondas that I was going to do you know do Loretta's with. I went down to break one in and just try it. 
I was on my way back and a buddy called and said, Hey, there's, are your girls home? And, and they never, answer, she never answers the phone. And so I called Sarah and, and said, Hey, Tad says there's a, there's a tornado on its way and um, it's going to hit and you guys need to take a blanket. And in our basement, we had a wood stove that I really like burning wood. So it came with the house, but I like cutting wood and everything, but um, she huddled down and covered the girls up. I have a two-year-old and a seven-year-old now and covered them up with, with a blanket. And like a minute later, everything was completely gone. And I mean, like the only thing that was left was the wood stove and then the furnace and ductwork kind of fell on them. It just kind of trapped them and kind of protected them and, and landed on Sarah's back and she kind of protected the girls. And, and then, I mean, it ripped floor joists. It was completely daylight above them a minute and a half later. And so we were hustling with that. I mean, thank God they're alive. And a lot of my neighbors didn't survive it. Not only that, but the racetrack took a hit, which is only, you know, it's connected to my property further down towards the river. Ripped a couple roofs off some buildings and lost a building and a lot of trees and, you know, in the doghouse on the starting line. And announcer stand was flipped upside down, which has been there for 20 some years. And it was a lot of work and still is to uh, clean up. We're still cleaning up. You know, just getting the season started this year was was really just kind of an undertaking. And our first event, people came out in droves. I, I feel like they came out to, you know, they they wanted to do a GoFundMe and that kind of thing. And that's not my jam. I don't, I said, if you want to support the racetrack, come down my driveway. And we had tons of locals come in and and we always get good turnouts on Easter weekend. That's our first one. We had, I think, mid 500s for practice on Friday, which I was pretty encouraged by. And then 722 was our number for, for Saturday. And the weather was chilly, but it worked out. And those are pretty decent numbers for us. And that's kind of what we've been experiencing with, with all of our spring races is big numbers like that. And then on Easter, the day we weren't running, it snowed like six inches. So it was sweet that we were, we were watching it snow and not, not having to run a motocross race. But it's been a rough start to the season. But then, uh, you know, Brayton came back. We had the semi there from his team. It was a little bit of a semi-retirement party. You know, he's doing that World Supercross thing, which we knew it. So we didn't call it a retirement party. He wasn't. The R word's scary for some pros. But he moved back to Iowa. And so it's cool having him locally again. And the bait and shootouts just keeps growing. And, you know, it's it's really neat to see that we, it was weird because we had a guy, one guy I talked to, I just, I like to stop by and say hi to people. And, and I'm cruising by on my, whatever I was riding and pit bike or something. And I, and I just started talking to these guys. And he said he came from California and it was his bucket list of races to, that he wanted to hit. And I just thought, that's, you know, my bucket list is like Iceland. And he wanted to go ride Riverside Raceway at the Justin Brayton shootout. So that to me was was really huge for me to, to take away and just be like, yeah, that's, we're doing the, the right things for people. Yeah, no doubt. Giving, uh, giving the racers a ton of value. But it, your story, though, it's, it's great to see not only the community pull together, but, you know, the moto community pull together and get your track and help you and get everything back up and running again. I think people just look for that normalcy. When something devastating happens, they, they kind of gravitate towards trying to get things back to how they were. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it's kind of tough, you know, because we we don't live there, obviously, anymore. We live in town, which is only, you know, four miles away. We have an apartment above a store downtown square, you know, on the town square area. My girls don't mind it. You know, they can walk to the park and ice cream shop and all that. But, it's you know, I don't get to see them. They can't walk down the hill or ride their Stasic down the hill or JR50, whatever, and, and come hang out. And even just seeing them swing on the swing while I, or the slide or whatever while I'm in the tractor or the dozer or something's 
nice for me is, you know, because I'm just, I dedicate all my time there in the spring, but I talked to Brayton. He called me after it happened and he's like, what do you think? You want to take the year off? And I said, exact opposite. We need to be running races and we need to be, cause what are we going to do? Just sit around and think about the storm. You know, it's, it's time to go to work. And a lot of people turned out, man, it was, it was a lot of people that showed up and I'm telling you, dude, we had, we had a hundred people there cleaning up one day and they were all busy picking up sticks. I mean, there's just the damage from a tornado is insane. You can't imagine just the stuff. And we lost, so we lost everything, you know, but it's like just so much work to, to be ready for a deadline like that, you know, of Easter weekend. So we had about a month to clean stuff up and it was, it was a lot of work, but it was more rewarding this year than ever for me as, as the owner operator, you know, just to get, just to be able to accomplish it was to get the thing off and then have everybody show up and the weather didn't totally screw us this year, which was always a, you know, a question mark when you're, when you're an organizer like me. So I'm with you. It was, it was, it was just good to get back to normal. Well, you've been paying it forward with the track and your whole approach to Iowa motocross your entire life, Tony. And I think that's, that's that family approach to the, to the track. You, you put on these events and you offer things like free firewood. You've got a playground for the kids to play on a big sandbox, potluck dinners. It's just a lot of, it seems like family oriented activities. And it's, do you think that's important to promoting in this sport to draw the families in and not just the individuals? I think amateur motocross is broken. And I think there's a reason why you see all these practice tracks pop up all over. And it's something that we've, we've continued to ignore as organizers and you use the word promoter. I don't, I don't like it. It's like a used furniture salesman. A lot of promoters are sleazy and <laughs> maybe I am. I try not to be definitely not when it comes to running motocross races, but you've got you know, 30 some classes you've got uh, you know, there's no time in the day. So you got to run four lap races and then you end up cutting them. If you get, you know, over six, 700 entries, which is great. That's how you get those entries. And the thing is, is, you know, the 40 bucks, 45 bucks, 30 bucks, whatever it is you're charging, it isn't enough with the cost of fuel. Everybody's feeling that, but the diesel fuel is insane. What we spend on our, on our machines. I mean, if I don't touch my dirt five to 10 times before an event, it's not good. You know, it's not good enough. And, and I got good dirt. So, you know, I'm, I'm very particular about making sure the track's pristine and ready to go and good. And we, we prep during the day. So it's just a constant push to get it done with all those classes. And if you don't have all those classes and you're not getting people to sign up for two, three event, three classes per day, you can't make money. You can't, you can't keep the doors open for the place. And so, you know, the, the entry fees, I wish we could charge more for the entry fees. I mean, a motorcycle's 10 grand now. The camper they're coming down is a hundred, you know, but between the truck and trailer or whatever, it's just like, Everything costs real money. My porta potties, we're still using porta potties on my track. They've tripled in the last couple of years. And I understand why. You know, you, you're, everybody's feeling at the gas station and, and the grocery stores and everything else. Well, running on a dirt bike track is no different, sometimes worse. You know, my trophies are getting out of hand for prices and that kind of thing. So, insurance, all the things. And, and like, there's just too many classes. So, you have to run and rush through a day. And I think the model's broken. And I've tried doing like offering less classes and longer motos. People aren't accustomed to it. They get tired. So they, they're like, well, I'm only going to sign up for one class because they are getting the money's worth finally. But what all you do is you cut your income in half. 
So for the Brayton shootout, we're, we're talking about going to a three-moto format. It's roughly 20 grand that I'm going to give up to do that. I've got to make it up somewhere because the, the events don't make the money you think they do. So we try to build value in other ways, like the free firewood, free pit bike racing, the free stasic racing. We have these pull start mini bike classes and these guys are the show and they don't know that they're the show. They don't know that they're funny. Some of them, I mean, they've got like helmets that they got at a garage sale and they're like Coleman pull start bikes that you see at like a tractor supply store that for five, 600 bucks. And these guys are awesome. They are so much fun. They're like bad news bears when they show up. And so we, we have that for entertainment. I do firework shows, you know, just try to try to make sure that everybody's stoked on the place and having a good time. And sometimes we have freestyle guys, which is kind of played out for motocross guys, but it's still fun and cool to have something going on. Red Bull's there with music, you know, there's just a lot of bags competition, you know, bag tournaments. And we try to build the value up, but at the end of the day, everything costs money and it's, it's getting harder and harder to operate a motocross track and run races. That's why you see all these tracks popping up with, with practice days because you get your money's worth. You spend 30 bucks, you go out a hundred times, you're smoked by noon. What I do is I ride every class that they'll let me ride. And I just go out and go out and go out until I'm, I'm absolutely tired. And as it gets closer to Loretta's, I, I ride them all, you know, and then, and I'm still home by a little after lunch. It's interesting what's going to happen with motocross on an amateur level. Loretta's will always be there. Mammoth, you know, Tonka, whatever, all those guys, people that chase that stuff. I, I don't think that's going to be affected as much as it will be on a local level. Yeah, I can sense that you take a tremendous amount of pride, Tony, in just everything you do and you don't cut corners, which therefore, of course, you know, it's going to it's going to make it so it's going to be more expensive because you're not cutting those corners and you're making it more of this, you know, from from what you and Dave were just talking about, more experiential where you've got these pull start races. I even saw where like you have a toy track build off, which I thought was really cool. Dude, it's so good. Tell us more about that, but it just seems like you're really trying to just go out of your way to make it you know, a destination thing for the families. Well, I've got an awesome crew and every racetrack says it, but I really have the best crew. I think in my sign-up shed, I've got Jason and Christy and Rachel helps a lot. And then um, they do an awesome job. And then I've got checkers. I don't know if you guys see checkers, but it's, it's, it's Chris Riesenberg. And he's, the, he's actually a marketing guy for race tech and he's from here or he's from Fort Dodge and he moved up to Minnesota and his fiance, Jenny, they come down and help me. And Checkers really comes up with these awesome ideas for promotion and stuff. And he's always thinking about how he can. And that's one thing he says he likes. He's worked with other organizers or promoters, or whatever. And he says they cut corners and it's frustrating. And, and that's one thing we don't do. We don't cut corners within reason. But like that sand track, that little toy dirt bike track thing, something he came up with. And I said, sure, we'll try it. It cost me 1700 bucks for just the sand but I get to put the sand on my track when I'm done and put it in a corner or something to make it fun. You know, I couldn't believe the response The people that showed, showed up for that. It was awesome. And we had Brayton and, and Nicoletti and Bradshaw and David Coombs and Denny Stevenson. I don't remember who else was there. They were judges, you know, I think the parents thought it was cooler than the kids who the judges were, but um, yeah, I mean, stuff like that is super cool. And checkers is taking a shine into the racetrack and it's funny. He's got this, uh, promotion he's come up with he's coming up with a freestyle ramp and a landing pad and he's going to do it in front of my store next weekend i guess i've got that giant gorilla you know the black cat 
gorilla with the for fireworks. He's got the sunglasses and the shorts and stuff, and it's, he's gonna jump and do a giant air wheelie over. He's a big boy too. It's it's I don't know if you've seen Checkers, but he's he can ride a motorcycle and he's a big guy and it's freaking awesome to watch him. He does these air wheelies that you just think, I don't know if he's gonna is he gonna loop out? I don't know if he's gonna bring it back. And he's gonna do a giant air wheelie over my big gorilla, which is a promotion that he wants to do for the fire store, which is sweet. But for the track, he's come up with a lot of neat ideas, and that's one of them. Yeah, we just keep trying stuff, makes make it interesting for people. So is the target my favorite Tony Wink picture? The the circles with the helmet, the the big smiling Tony face. Is that is that what he's gonna land on? That logo, I was like at my biggest weight, like 300 pounds. I was actually seeing how big I could get at the time, which I know is ridiculous, but I was like, see how much, I mean, I was eating like the gristle off my steak and like drinking way too much. And I was like, check it out. I'm going to hit 300. Well, I ended up hitting 306 and I was still boogieing on a dirt bike. And uh, we took this picture of me in this open face bell helmet with my cheeks. I mean, you had to squeeze the thing on. That's actually... We have our own artillery shell here in the store and a 60 gram canister shell, and we call it boom boom shells. And uh, <laughs> we that's the logo for the store. So we need that on checkers, like on a cape or something when he does the air wheelie or something. It's a good idea. <laughs> I need Absolutely. That. I would love to see that. I think it just, just would be so perfect. I think with that in mind, I know. Uh, I know you raced and qualified for Loretta's. Uh, what are your plans for uh, August? I don't know yet. I'm still 50 50. I'm, I'm off the booze and I'm eating right and I'm training, pseudo training right now. I do spin classes probably three times a week and, and uh, you're always moving when you sell fireworks. So uh, July 8th, we're done selling. Probably about July 5th, I kind of start losing interest in this place and they can run it. And I'm going to go to work. I'm going to start riding every day. I sold my new bikes. I got, I gave one to Justin Brayton and the other one to the neighbor boy. So I didn't actually ride them, but I've got my 18. This will be the third year to Loretta's with that bike. If I, and it's starting to feel like a used bike. It's got 45 hours on it, which isn't bad, but the thing was bullet fast, but it's, it's not now. So I don't know what's going to happen. We might redo it. I got another 2020 that, that I gave to my friend, Tyler. He said I could have it back and we will ride that maybe this next month. But I think. I got beat at the at the regional, which Mike Mercer and and uh, I can't a couple old Supercross pros. They showed up in the forty class, and I got fourth. Like, and I was trying pretty hard, and I was surprised that the forty guys are that fast. I don't think I'm going any slower. I just think everybody stepped it up, and then I won the forty five pretty easily. There's a reason I want to go to Loretta's. The guy that won the forty five two years ago, I got him covered, no problem. And I'm going to be, I'll turn 45 August 1st. So I'm AMA 45, kind of like he's AMA 6. You always hear that at the races. I'm AMA 45. You have to be 45 by August 2nd. So I'll be the absolute youngest guy in the class. So I I feel like I should go at least this year. I know Jimmy Jarrett's in the class. He's faster than me. He DNF'd one moto last year. So anything can happen. I'd like to go try to win Loretta's. And then if I can podium... I'm probably done with that. I know winning Loretta's in the 45 class is like being the tallest kid in third grade. Nobody cares except for the tallest kid in third grade, right? There so you go. That's for I sure. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if it's, you know, nobody cares, but I kind of want to go do that. And then 
if I can do that, like just top three, I'm probably done worrying about Loretta Lynn's. And then I'll just go to Baja every year in August because that's where I want to go anyway. That's where I'd rather be. And you've had some great success down there. And uh, But you heard it here first, folks. So uh, when you see number 44 on the line at Loretta Lynn's this year, look out for Tony the Tiger. We'll see. Jamie Jarrett's 44 too. So I, I got to, so I've, I've had to, Robbie Skaggs has been 44 my whole life at these nationals. So I've had to take another number. So we'll see if Jarrett gets his 44 or if I get 44. Might be running the 69. <laughs> there you go. That My money's on you either way. I don't care if it's 44 or 69. Appreciate it. Tony, we could talk all day, man, as always. It's great having you having you back on the show. And uh, for sure, we wish you good luck with uh, your near future, getting the family and the home back together. And uh, great, great news on the racetrack. I'm glad you guys are up and running again. Where's the best place to find you or find out about Riverside Raceway? And also uh, your uh, side gig, uh, Tony Wink's Factory Outlet. Where's the best place to find out about that? Facebook. We've got uh, Facebook pages for both. And uh, Tony Wink's Factory Outlet Fireworks. And then Riverside Raceway. And then our website for Riverside is riversideraceway.net. Awesome. Thanks again for coming on, Tony. We appreciate your time, man. See you guys. Thanks for doing the show still. I appreciate it. It's awesome. Thanks again to our guests for being with us today. And thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you have a moment, please rate and review us. We really appreciate it. Make sure you're also following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our blog and our brand new store where you can get your Pit Pass swag. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, producer Leah Longbreak, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. I'm Dale Spangler. And I'm Dave Sulecki. See you next week on Pit Pass Moto. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) I know, right?